Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll hear from Liam Clancy about his improvisational journey and how it improved his life. Plus, we'll play some awesome games. Let's hit it. Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lee Evans, and today we're here with Liam Clancy. Thank you for coming on the show. How are you doing today, Liam? Good. I'm doing well. It's a Tuesday, and that's one of my seven favorite days. Wow. Top seven. Top seven, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Could you rank for me right now your top seven days of the week? Oh, yeah. It goes uh, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday, Sunday. Mm. I agree. (laughs) Those are, out of the seven days you listed, those are seven I would also list. (laughs) All right, so Liam is joining us today. He is a member of the Improv for the People community, hence he is on the Improv for the podcast here today, and we're very excited. Liam is an incredible improviser, such a talented sketch writer, and a master of some really fun characters, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Now, before we jump in, uh, Liam, we're going to play a little bit of a game just to get things rolling. Okay. Now, tell me, Liam, have you ever played the game Three Things? Um, I, yes, but I, I've played it outside of IFTP. Okay. Well, so it, I don't, there might be slightly different rules. Or... Okay, okay, okay. Well, luckily, the version we're playing today is called Three Things, but it's personal. Because it's going to get personal to you. Oh. Your answers are going to have to be uh, you know, related to your own life. So that's what we're going to get into. So for those of you at home or on an airplane or folding your laundry or wherever you may be, if you're not familiar with the three things game, how it works is that I'm going to give Liam a category off the top of my head. Actually, it's pre-planned and uh, he's going to have to list three things, but all the categories are personal related to Liam's life. So that's the interesting part. We get to learn a little bit about Liam in a fun rapid fire way. All right, Liam, any questions before we begin? Nope. All right, so just as the traditional format, I'll say the category, you know, I'll be like, these are three things. I'll say your category, and then I'll just number them off as you go, okay? All right, and we're just going to go back to back to back, probably three categories, and then we'll end it there. All right, here we go. These are three things. Your favorite drinks? Uh, Diet Coke. One. Diet Dr. Pepper. Two. And Diet Dr. Pepper cream soda. It's a new new one. Three. A lot of diets. All right. Uh, Perform uh, three accents or characters you like to perform. Oh, uh, oh, it's, oh, it's a me. Oh, I'm just a oh, Irish man. Oh, yeah. But that's more Cockney now, I guess. <laughs> no one <laughs> ish. Uh, my name is Pierre. I am French and I surrender easily. Oh, that's two. And uh, I'll guess um, it was a Tuesday like every other Tuesday. There was, there was a smoke in the air and a flim flam on the bridge. Three. These are three things. Last category. Uh, funniest people you personally know. Oh, um, uh, my my aunt, who is technically my second cousin, but it's it's my dad's first cousin. She lives in Ireland. She's so so funny. One. Uh, my grandpa. He is also hilarious. And then uh, my friend Cam. Two. Three. Yeah. Oh man, I got so lost in the story there, I forgot to count. These are three things. Nice job, Liam. Thank you for Ooh. jumping in. I really, you know, threw you kind of a fastball there with the characters, and I knew, I knew you would nail it, and you <laughs> did. So I knew it in my heart. All right, so I'm going to ask you a couple questions. All right, that first one you told me three different diet sodas, mm-hmm. and you know, I am intrigued by that last one. It was a Dr Pepper cream soda. Yeah, Dr Pepper now has like a whole bunch of different 
flavors. Actually, uh, let me. Okay. It's actually not Dr Pepper. It's not Diet Dr Pepper. It's technically Dr Pepper Zero Sugar. Oh, cream soda. Okay, okay. A lot of labels in the title. Mm, yes. Does it still have twenty three flavors or just the one? It's a good question. Okay. Yeah, just curious. Okay, interesting. I think it's actually just cream soda flavored, made by Dr. Pepper. Uh, I see, I see, yeah. I see. They're getting in the cream soda market up against uh, other cream soda favorites, A&W, I guess. That's the only other one I can name. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Good Blue to know. Moxie. Have you ever had Blue Moxie? I'm not familiar. That's no. a really good cream soda. Is it? Color. Jones. Jones has a good cream soda. I do know soda. Jones Soda Company. Yeah. yeah, and it was clear. It was like the, yeah. the cream oh, soda right, one's you're clear. right, you're right. Yeah. That's that's some classy soda, that yeah, Jones it, soda. They used to have it at Starbucks. That was like my like really yeah, long time ago. Oh man. Well, yeah. that's a shame because they don't have it anymore. They don't have it anymore. I don't know what happened to Jones, but I hope he's all right. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh we miss you, buddy. Anyway, so thank you for telling me about those sodas. Uh those three different accents and characters, you had that you started off with that Irish character, kind of slipped into a cockney a little bit. Mm-hmm. Those are difficult tightrope accents. That's how I describe them. Because you know, they're all they're all friendly, they're all regionally uh, you know, close to one another. So I, I love it. I love that character. Uh the second one, Pierre, that was a fun one. French accents, I struggle with French accents, so I have much respect for someone who can pull it off. <laughs> And uh, I got to admit, that last character, yours, personal favorite of mine. A big fan of your detective. Yeah. Well, that's like a kind of, that's like a recurring character, I guess. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a little, yeah. Does does he have an official name? Yeah, he has a he has a name. His name's Peter Price. Oh, my uh, gosh. You, there's a backstory, like, where that character came from. Oh, for, if please. If you're curious. Yes, I am so curious. Yeah, so, I love Peter Price. Um, like, my college, like, uh, senior year of college, I was getting, like, very bored of going to parties. Mm. And the, uh, the this group I was in at USC was, like, uh, like a, basically just had a bunch of parties. It wasn't technically frat, but effectively mm-hmm. it was the same thing. Okay. Um, but so I got tired of going to parties there, so I was like, I'm just going to start going in character. So I, I went to the Goodwill that was, like, a block by my apartment, and I bought that mm-hmm. trench coat. And then I just went as a detective to every party for the rest of the year. I love just, it. And I like I locked it. into it. And yeah. it was the best part were the people that like didn't get it. Cause like <laughs> some people got like, okay, he's like doing a bit, but some people yeah. were just confused and it was fun. Oh, that's so sad for yeah. those people who were confused. And then it? over the course of the, uh, those parties where I kind of found the backstory of that character that then I wrote into the sketch too. Mm, yeah. So to yeah. preface, uh, Liam and I worked on a sketch show together. He wrote this amazing sketch where he played this 1940s detective stuck in modern times. And that was Peter Price, of course, character that is hilarious. And Liam just has the nuance of this character. So down. It's, it's incredible. Y'all missed out if you didn't see it. Uh, so with that said, thank you for sharing. All right. That last question, some three funny people in your life. Uh, let's talk about, you said, your aunt, who is your dad's first cousin, so technically your second cousin, correct? Yes. And she lives in Ireland. Yes. All right. Ireland. Where does she live in Ireland? Uh, she lives in Cork. Cork. My uh, grandparents are from Ireland. Got so it. that's how my dad, and then my dad is like a first generation person. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And that's then, awesome. So I have like Irish dual citizenship. We go back and forth like wow. all the time. Um, but yeah, she's one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. You can just sit and listen to her tell stories for hours on end it's like just it's so much fun i have i have an uncle like that but he's not irish at Mm. all and he's just (laughs) mono citizenship (laughs) but i mean uh, my family's from scotland so i don't know if there's Mm. we might have some you know historical beef going on no i don't think so well i think we just both hate the english that's i think that's kind of true yeah actually we're 
allies. Yeah, we're kind of, yeah. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. But yeah, I think they popped on over late 1800s because they were, I'm not really sure. They were tired, I guess. Mm -hmm. They wanted a new start. But really cool. Thank you for sharing. You're on best storyteller that feels like i think everyone's got a family member who's like an exceptional storyteller yeah and i just no matter what you do it's like is that gonna be me one day Mm, maybe (laughs) maybe not all right uh liam are you ready to jump into our improv interview let's jump on in all right let's let's splish splash a little got your floaties (laughs) i got my floaties okay good 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 i got i got mine as well my water wings good to go all right so liam i want to ask uh you know, a couple questions to to get it into, you know, what improv means to you, how you got started in improv. Um, so let's start with that. What's the first time you were exposed to? Not necessarily, you know, did a class, but just the first time you learned about improv, knew what it was. I was probably in like sixth grade mm. and my older brother got onto an improv troupe at the high school that he went to that I also eventually went to. Oh, okay. So I knew that he was on this improv troupe. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my first exposure. Um, and then I went to that same high school and our high school had a radio station. It was actually, it was sick. We had like a actual AM radio station, my high school. And like, we did a whole podcasting thing there too. And then, um, the head of the like student radio organization was also the head of the improv organization, improv team in my high school. So Mm -hmm. then after my second, my sophomore year, I had a, uh, I got a, um, what's it called? Radio show with my cousin wow. and we did that. And then the head of the improv troupe was like, Hey, you should audition for our improv troupe. And I mm. did that. And then that's how I started. And the improv troupe at our high school is, it, this shouldn't work. Like one, now that I know about improv, I know that it shouldn't have been this way. Mm. Excuse me. But it was a huge deal at our high school Yeah, because yeah. what they were doing <laughs> before my time was like the troop would charge money for the shows and and be like, Oh, we're like, you know, going to donate this. And then they'd skim a bunch off the top and like throw a huge party. So the whole school would show up to the shows because they'd be like, we're going to pay for the whole party. Yeah. We're funding our own party right now. And that was like before my time, like we were not stealing from charity. I mean, that's pretty, pretty clever. I'm not going to lie. It's very clever. Yeah. And, um, but then, but it had grown into like this big kind of cultural thing at our Mm -hmm. school where like Mm -hmm. to this day, those are some of the biggest, audience-wise shows I've done, like wow, yeah. three, 400 people yeah. improv shows. Just a lot of so yeah. stupid. <laughs> how many wow. people should not be showing up to high school improv show? But yeah, that's how I first got exposure and then uh, did that for two years in high school. And wow. yeah, That's fantastic. I mean, one, you're, I kind of want to go back to high school now and go there because, I mean, a radio broadcast program, oh, like an AM station and an improv team. Uh, my high school had a, uh, a golf team. And there were four people on it, <laughs> and I was not one of them. But I just know we had it, so not to brag or anything. Just thought I'd shout out my own high school. Shout out Tri City. Anyway, so high school, uh, you know, radio broadcast. You join the improv team, and did joining that improv team in high school did that like spark an interest, spark a light, a desire, an improv flame within your heart? Yeah, I, I just immediately fell in love with it, mm. and have not gone a single day not thinking about improv since then. Okay. Wow. Like it was, it's crazy how, um, just immediately I was like, this is awesome. And, um, I did theater in high school too, Mm -hmm. but, um, improv was really the thing where I was like, this is the thing that I like can do like that. I get, it just immediately clicked. 
Um, and also then my senior year, we got a new theater teacher who had a like really deep background in improv, Mm -hmm. um, which really helped me a lot in terms of just knowing like, Oh, like I can do this. Like I can keep trying to pursue this and try to end up places where, you know, uh, pursuing this is going to be a possibility in college and beyond. So yeah, that was, that's kind of how, how the high school part started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just I've always I've been obsessed with all parts of it, the history of it. Mm-hmm. I started reading a bunch of improv books oh, and yeah, yeah. in high school, going to the library and um, you know, taking out every single improv book that I could find and just reading them. And most improv books are just terribly written. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's actually a, a there's actually too many improvisers wrote improv books over the pandemic yeah. and it's a it's yeah. a real issue. Yeah. Because I've also read all of those and some of them are illegible. Like that, there's just they're no, they're not sentences. Have, have you seen some of those books that are like improv games for Zoom? Yes, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those are, I don't know. Those are a little rough. I, I appreciate that you are well read in like the literature of improv because I think there there's a lot of both great stuff, a lot of interesting history books out there, but also some some rough yeah. guides and games and things like that. Can you maybe tell me a couple of or just one or two of your favorite improv related books that you've read? Um, I think, well, Truth and Comedy was the first Truth one that I read, which yeah, is like the classic. Halpern, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and it's, I really think that Jonah Halpern wrote 95% of that book. Oh, yeah. I think Del Close is just high on heroin in a corner, yeah. and they're like, yeah, yeah, let's stick his name on the cover. Blitzed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think there's actually a third author of that book, too. Mm. Tim Howard? I don't know. He, he's irrelevant. That, that name sounds familiar, um, but yeah, I haven't. It's been a few years since I read that one. But that was the first one I read, and I was like, oh, okay. like, yeah. this makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, this really makes sense, everything mm-hmm. they're saying here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the other ones I really like are, um, my favorite now is probably called Improv Wisdom, um, by Patricia Ryan Madsen. It's, uh, she was, um, a San Francisco improviser at BATS. Uh, BATS is like the big San Francisco improv organization. Um, and she taught at Stanford and she wrote a really, really good book. Um, and yeah, there's a bunch of them. I like, um, um, I like uh, improv nation, but yeah, is really good just in terms of history, just like knowing where, like, how did we get to here is yeah, such yeah. an important question for yeah. like any field. Um, yeah, there's a ton, there's a ton. And because I always see them on Amazon and it's like 12 bucks. Mm-hmm, Most of them are pretty mm-hmm. cheap. And I'm yeah. like, but I pay 12 bucks for one insightful finding. And then I'm like, I would, yeah. if this is the finding that's going to like, like, change my improv style mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. i would pay 12 dollars for yeah, it so i get caught and i just buy yeah, them all yeah. i end up reading them all so you've got a shelf like a mixed bag of like yeah both incredible books and then just these garbage like improv zoom games yes. for kids under 12 yeah that's exactly how oh my, my shelf gosh. there's a yeah. great um uh book about the history of commedia dell'art which is i also oh, yeah. is really really good oh and um impro by keith johnston is really good okay. i mean and then of course um uh, improv for the theater by Viola Spolin. Yeah, it's well, also very I mean, good. That's like that's like the improv Bible. I always think of it yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just because that's where it all began. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. I'm gonna. You know, I've read a few of those, not all of them. I want to check out that improv wisdom though. That's definitely like my. I want yeah, some it's, improv. It's wisdom. really, really good. Okay, okay. It's okay. very improv for the people. In a, in a sense, I, I think like I think it fits like our the, the the studio's culture a lot. Okay, yeah, kind of cultural and philosophy yeah. approach, definitely. Okay. All right. 
So getting back to your, let's call it your improv journey, your improv timeline. High school, boom. I imagine at some point you graduate high school. I, I hope so. Uh, yeah. So where, <laughs> I think, unless maybe you're still working on that, which is fine. You know, everyone has their own path. But uh, after high school, um, what is what are those next steps both in your life and in your improv life? What does that look like? Where do you go? So I went to USC for college. Okay. Um, I was choosing between Michigan and USC. University of Michigan? Yeah, University uh, of Michigan. I thought about that school as well. Go Blue. Yeah, um, Wolverines. Yeah, cool. It's a sick school. Like, yeah. Part of yeah. me, some, when, when I was having a really, like, when I, whenever I'd have, like, really hard assignments at USC, I'd be like, why did I, 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 why did I go to Michigan? <laughs> I could have been a Wolverine. Yeah, it's yeah. like it would have been the exact same thing there. But, um, yeah, and, and actually improv was a huge reason. Improv and weather were like why I chose USC. I mean, those are both great reasons. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm a California boy. I can't yeah. deal yeah. with the cold. And um, I I googled like all the improv teams, mm. and I was like, USC. Every time I googled, there's like another team, another team, another wow. team. Yeah, and I was like, tons. Well, if I go here, like, just odds wise, like I have a better chance of making it. Mm. So that it played a huge factor in your decision. Yeah, in choosing schools. Okay. Yeah, wow. and. Um, also, like some of the way the majors worked and lined yeah, up, it yeah. was going to be easier at USC to like do what I wanted to do that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I was so, I, it was so funny because I was like, I'm bad. Like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to have to be competing with the best in the world, the mm. greatest mm-hmm. improvisers on earth to get onto like a USC improv team yeah, yeah. in Los Angeles. And um, yeah, it was crazy. I, I didn't, I really like did not think I was going to get onto a team, but mm. I did. Um, really awesome team. Like they're all my best friends now called yeah, spoiler awesome. alert, um, which is like the, yeah, it's, it's what well, we do like, um, uh, a movie form. Like, so oh, weekly, yeah. they did like weekly shows one hour each week. We had a theater. It was, it's crazy. It's another one of those things. It's mm. like, is mm. only possible in college Yeah, because yeah. they're like, we're doing a weekly one hour show that mm-hmm. is f- selling out every single week. Like yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. You have the space, you have an audience and it's yeah. just, it's all kind of already lined up. All you have to mm-hmm. do is really advertise and get the word out. Yeah. So what would you say, what, what changed in you as an improviser, do you think, between high school improv and college improv, making that jump to USC? My high school improv troupe was very, um, none of us knew what the fuck we we're doing. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't no, mean to fine. swear. You're fine. Oh, God. No. All right. Uh, we just lost all our sponsorship no. deals thanks to Liam. Uh, yeah. If anyone would like to help me with my rent, I'll uh, throw up my Venmo now. Um, thank you and we were so bad and a huge way that we got audience in high school was there were people on the team that were just super popular Mm. that were not good at improv or cared at all but they just were the popular kids that would like were like like, this person bring 40 people oh my gosh or like this person who the person who's were like his parents will let us party at his house like Mm -hmm. we need to have him on the team so we have somewhere to have the party so it was just such it was terrible yeah a lot of politics maybe yeah and And it was all it was all short form. Um, and I remember the first line I ever said in an improv show. And it was also the point where it clicked to me of like, oh, like this is the way. Oh. Um, and it was a scene. There's a very first line I ever said in a scene. And it was so much like going for the joke mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. well, high school. Course, yeah. High school, early improvising. Yeah. That's what you do. And it worked. Like that's the, that's the problem with it. That's like why it's a danger is it, it yeah. works to like, It'll get you like a C plus, you yeah, know, like yeah. you can pass yeah. on that. You're like 79. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
Um, so every single thing was just bam, go for the joke, go for the joke. And I said, um, there was a scene about, uh, go-kart racers and mm. it was like a classic, like two on one off. And they're like, I was off stage. And when I, the first line I said was from off stage and it was hello racers. Like the, you know, the people that like yeah, come on yeah, yeah. and it just like brought the house down. Mm. And I was standing off stage. Like, I was like, what? That wasn't a joke. I didn't tell a joke. Why did that get a laugh? Yeah. Like, why are people reacting? What's going on? It was so confusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was only like afterwards I was like, yeah, cause I just said the thing that everyone knew was the truth. Yeah. Like that yeah. everyone had experienced at some mm-hmm. middle school party where there's like the announcer at a go-kart thing or mm-hmm. paintball. There's like overly enthusiastic yep. announcers. Yep. Like, it's just the real it's the reality. It's the truth in comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's when I was like, yeah. oh, like that's, that was like a huge jump of like, that's how you do this. Yeah. It's probably like it just clicked probably in yeah. that moment. You're like, I just improvised and yeah. it was good. Yeah. Yeah. And then it like, that also just lays out a path for everything. Cause you're like, okay, how would this actually play out in reality? Mm. Never have to imagine or create anything yeah. ever again. Yeah. Like being creative and improv is fucking difficult. Yeah, it is. You know, it's like I want to avoid being as creative as often as I can because it's yeah. a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Yeah, because you don't want to repeat yourself, but there's the pressure of creating something new that's still interesting. And yeah, it's a it's a heavy burden. Yeah. And so I think that was kind of the biggest thing. And then just going. I mean, when I got to USC, I joined this troupe, and I'm a freshman. I have two years of improv at this point, Mm -hmm. four years of radio. I also was like, I basically grew up in a, a very intense, serious boys chorus. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Um, since I was in the first grade, like all through high school. So just like performing and being on stage was something I had like years and years of experience. Yeah. You belong up there. Yeah. Or I'm just, I'm comfortable. I'm like, this is fine. Like I'm not in danger. Like this isn't actually a dangerous place. Like Mm. what's the worst you can happen? Like, bomb like it, yeah. but well i mean that you mean like the stage is gonna blow no yeah not blow? that just because okay. both both you know. those are terrible things to happen <laughs> um yeah because one it's your last performance or it's your last performance yeah <laughs> like <laughs> so i was very comfortable being on stage already and then you know took a big jump for it in improv in in high school and my high school theater teacher too and she came because i was on that improv troupe two years and then my junior year, we were terrible. My senior year, we got way better because yeah. I had this theater teacher and she wasn't even like, the group was completely self-taught and like mm, self-coached. Mm. Like she, the, she was not coaching our troupe, mm. but I was doing all the theater stuff and I'm like, yeah. oh, she knows, like she'd done a bunch of groundling stuff in the past. Oh, yeah. And so then just... she'd like done a bunch of bat stuff in San Francisco. Um, now she's a professor at NYU. Oh, like okay. she's like the real deal. No deal. And I, when I realized she knew about improv, I would just, every class just ask her about improv stuff. Yeah. And she'd be yeah, like, yeah. we're putting on a play. Like, can you stop asking about improv right now? <laughs> like, um, what does this have to do with Wizard of Oz? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she really taught me a ton. And, mm. and then when I got to USC, you know, I joined the team, I think 120 people auditioned mm. and three people, they took three people. Which is so funny to me yeah, because that's crazy. It sounds crazier than it is. Because mm. if you actually see the auditions, you'd be like, "Well, there's only really 20 people here that care, yeah, and that really want to do this, 
there's a lot of people that are kind of either like, I want to be on one of the big improv troops. Mm. Um, culturally, improv at USC has like a very uh, strong place. Like it means something on the campus. And there's four teams that are very big kind of, you know, culturally relevant things to do on campus is go to one of these four shows. Um, so when you get to the auditions, I was so terrified. I'm like, there's 120 people here. Like I'm screwed. Like, why am I even doing this? Why am I auditioning? But I was like, all right, let's just have fun. Yeah. See what happens. And then two of the auditions I was so bad in. And then two of the auditions were fine. And then, yeah, I got, uh, got onto two different troops and then chose one. Cause you kind of have to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, make a decision. Yeah, you have to choose. And then, yeah, that was that. And, and then really, like, the people that were on that troop is where I, my, I just, like, skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when I, like, actually started getting good. Yeah, yeah. Like, when, like, the exponential force, like, really took off. Like, that, the compounding interest. Because there are people of, like, uh, like, I mentioned him earlier in the three things. My friend Cam is mm. so funny. He was mm. the leader of the troop when okay. I got there. Yeah. And, like, it's, like, you just get someone who's uh, like knows what they're doing teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was the first time where like the, the leader had known like what he was doing. Mm. Um, and all these other people had, you know, there were seniors that had had four years of experience already. They know too. They know what they're doing. And then just the time, like the sheer volume of time that we Mm. spent together was crazy because we would do a one hour show each week and we do a, a uh, half hour like warm up before that, and then a half hour of notes after every show. Wow. Then we go to Taco Bell and get Taco yeah, Bell, yeah. go back to campus, sit and talk about the show for another two hours to like 1 a.m. And then Thursdays we had rehearsal and yep. we would have a rehearsal from 10 to midnight on Thursdays, which I go to bed at like 10 o'clock now. So that yeah. sounds crazy. Yeah. No, I feel that. <laughs> and before rehearsals, we'd go to the dining hall together mm-hmm. and we'd sit there for three hours from like seven to 10, just doing bits and improv before rehearsal. Yeah. Just joking around. Yeah. Like it, it builds your strength once you get into that rehearsal space or that performance. Yeah. Space. And, yeah. I, and then we just do that. So like all in all, we're probably doing improv like 20 hours a week. Yeah. Part-time for job four right years. Yeah, yeah. It's all we did. Like we're, yeah. we were lunatics. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the dream right there though. Like, it was awesome. 20 hours a week. That's <laughs> like, college. College that was so sick. That. Yeah. And that's, I think just hearing like that organization and the dedication, right? That, that ability to like, Hey, we're going to take notes during our show. We're going to get those notes after our show. I'm thinking like in my college improv team, we just did the show and it was like, peace. Yeah. You know, we didn't, we weren't that organized, but, um, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. Like the opportunity for growth there. And I, uh, I'm guessing, or maybe thinking that like starting out, you know, you came onto the team, you're a freshman, right. And there were, you know, uh, the other members of the team, they're all different uh, class levels, right? So you were put putting yourself in a situation where everyone else around you had varying levels of experience, sometimes people who had a lot more, which helped you, I imagine, grow as an improviser, right? Year mm-hmm. after year, you went from the, you know, the high school rookie moving into that, like, hey, now I'm a senior. Now I'm the guy who does the notes, right? I imagine that's how that went. Yeah. yeah. And I rode the back line my entire freshman year of college. Mm. I was so scared. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know where I fit into this. I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like the form they do is a really complicated long form. Mm. It's a like three act structure. It's like, it's an improvised TV movie. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's like a three act structure. And then the commercials are short form games. Wow. So it's like 20 minute act one, one short form game, 20 minute act two, one short form game, 20 minute act three, short form 
game to close it. Wow. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's so fun. And then we would get a genre and a movie title. So it'd be like a horror. Yeah. And so like, yeah, a huge part of our rehearsals too were like, what is a horror movie? Mm. Um, and like we had a bunch of film kids in our troop yeah, that loved elements and that yeah. love doing that. He's tropes. like, yeah. Oh man, that sounds fun. Yeah. We list tropes. Like, so then like after a while you're like, okay, we're doing a Western. It's like, okay, at some point there's gonna be a fucking train is going to show up. Yep. Like, yep. Yep. you know, like yeah. that's all the stuff that's like, it's getting so clear yeah. what we have Dual to train. Someone spits. Like, yeah. You know, just all those beats that you hit without the, yeah. Right. And then, um, my favorite part was we started to have like, <laughs> recurring characters mm. in our Westerns. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like on a week to week show to show basis, someone might come back. Yeah. So I had like a, I had a, um, I had a character that was like a, a minor, like a prospector. And all he would do is he'd come on stage, he'd hit the ground once, go no gold here. And he'd walk <laughs> off. And I did that for just, like three years. Yeah. Which is just fantastic. I mean, that's going to hit every time I feel like. And then, <laughs> and then it, what, what made it so great is by the end, like the people who came to the show every week, mm-hmm. they're like, they see it and it fucking murders. Yeah. And then yeah. the people who's their first time at the show, they're like, what just happened? Like, like, okay, so, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you're almost like building a, um, like, a, you know, it's kind of an inside joke, I yeah, guess. With the it's audience, not the, yeah. With your like repeat viewers, right. You're, but that's really cool. Yeah. You know, that you have like the loyalty, from your audience where you can do something like that and pull it off over the long term. Yeah. And I mean, the other games of like, like once you get so close with a troop, um, you like start to, <laughs> you start to like be mean to them on purpose. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, I know that this person, like I, I hate being touched in improv scenes. I just don't like it. So my teammates would just find any way to try to corner me into yeah. having to touch someone, yeah. which is, like, I, I think it's hilarious like, yeah, when course. you know the people yeah, really yeah. well. Um, it's very, very funny because that's like, you know, you can also play that game. Like, I'm going to justify out of this, mm-hmm. but you can only do that for so long until you just have to, like, bite the bullet and yeah, do it. Like, and, all right, I'm in it now. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, we did that for, I mean, three and a half years, just nonstop. And then uh, COVID started the... Spring of my senior year, like March of my oh, senior year. Man. So missed the end of that, but that could have sucks. been worse. Yeah. Really could have been yeah, worse. Right at the tail end. Yeah. So like shows stopped and, um, yeah. So that was the end. Um, then I just did stand up for two years. Okay. Because yeah, that was yeah. the only thing that was out there really. Yeah, you needed an outlet. And was that like stand up over Zoom? Uh, so at first I didn't do anything until the first in-person things came back. Oh, okay. So I did like cold Turkey and then probably like October to November of 2020. Yeah. They were the first like outdoor open mics. Right. Yeah. Like in LA, I started doing those. Um, it's so funny. Cause like, I was like, I like stand up. Yeah, it's fun. It's fine. And then I'm like, I want to get back into improv. And that mm-hmm. was in April, um, that I joined IFTP and, the first class, like Matt runs in and does his like, hello, Saturday morning. Oh, and I just like really? started, I started laughing for like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the fact that I was like, oh, this is just so joyful. Yeah. Yeah. The energy. Yeah. Like, and for those of you who don't know, Matt is the founder of improv for the people. I mean, most of you probably know, but just to clarify. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. And I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. It's like, um, stand up is very fun. It's very winner loser. Mm. You know, improv is everyone's, we're all winning together. Yeah, We're all building yeah. something together. It's a it's a team sport. Yeah, and uh, I like that a lot more. Yeah, no, I do too. I've I've dabbled in stand up a little bit, but I just it doesn't hit the same for me. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with you there. And was that like your, your foray into stand up at uh, kind of that era of the pandemic? Was that your first time doing stand up? Did you have experience in the past? No, I had experience in the past. USC has a really robust stand up program. So they have like two stand up classes that are taught by mm. like active stand ups in LA. Oh, okay. That's awesome. And it's, it's really sick. I, I think like any, everyone, at USC, you should take that class sure, if they can. Yeah. It's Public so speaking fun. speaking skills even. Yeah, and they just teach you so much about joke structure and, you know, premise and punchline and mm-hmm. what is a joke um, and that type of stuff. It, it's really good. So I'd done some of that. So then, um, and I like it. I still do like a fair amount of stand-up. Um, yeah, that's awesome. But when I have a stand-up show, I get really nervous. Yeah. When I have yeah. an improv show, I get really excited. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. that's the difference there. Yeah. It's a difference in the energy because I think like you said, yeah, improv is like you're working together, you know, it's, it's a team sport. You know, you're building something with that other person. It's it's just something electric about that. And you're building something with the audience, too. Yeah. Which is why, I mean, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I, I love me some improv. You know, it's just ugh, gets you going. All right. So you're stand-up. You're an improviser. So you said in April you, you found or started with IFTP. Was that April? What year was that? This year. Okay, so April 2021. Okay, so was that your... Is this your first time coming back to improv since college? No, not really. Okay. So half and half. First, like okay. formal, like dedicated practice of it. Got it. Um, my friend and I have a uh, show at the clubhouse on Vermont, which is, it's a, it's a really cool theater, mm-hmm. but it's, it's kind of, <laughs> it's a really cool theater. Everyone yeah. should go there a few times. It's in a very sketchy uh, strip mall and it's just covered it looks like it's an out of business like place and you have to like rap on the door and they open up and then is they it, just have two black box theaters in there is it on the second floor there's two okay so there's it's on there's a theater on the second floor and a theater on the first floor okay i think i might have been there to the theater on the second floor yeah saw a friend in the play there like mm, 10 years ago <laughs> yeah like that type, that makes sense yeah yeah um so he my friend cam who i've talked about a couple of times he and i are do like duo prof together oh, nice. um he's like yeah duo prof partner of mine and and even during the pandemic before anything was open we just go to his backyard on sundays and just um there was like four of us that would mm. just go to improv every yeah, sunday yeah. yeah um so i w- was still active but it wasn't it's not the same as like showing up and yeah. being dedicated and yeah. it's like no like we're gonna work on these skills today and we're gonna do this you know um yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've made your own improv during the pandemic, which I think is fantastic. I know that was something like during the pandemic, I was like, well, I don't know what to do. And like, I think, yeah, I, I jumped in in like summer 2021 and I was like, wait, they're in person. They're not on Zoom. I mean, I'm not paying $500 for a Zoom class. Yeah. And not to toot our own horn, I guess, but I, that was pretty cool at the time. So your improv journey, right? It You learned about it in sixth grade. You started performing in high school you really like blossomed in college, I think, and now post grad, right? You're you're finding new ways to do that. You have a, you have the show at that theater on Vermont, the clubhouse, right? You're doing stuff here at Improv for the People. What role or yeah, what role does improv play in your life? You know, that's a question that I think about a lot, and mm. I I don't know if I have. Um, I'm still discovering the answer to that question, yeah. and and yeah. part of. Part of what I love about improv is that I get to move a little bit closer to the answer every time I get on, every time I mm. do it. Mm. Um, you know, I think that there's a, in everything I do besides improv outside of improv, uh, I, 
there are two questions that really fascinate me and that I use as anchors as a way to think like, is this something that's helping me move towards the answer of these two questions? Mm. And those two questions are, what does it mean to be human and who am I? And I really like to use both of those as an anchor for how I'm spending my time. And I think most things help me move close to that, but sometimes I'll be like, find something that doesn't help me move close to those answers. And that's when I'm like, maybe I should rethink, you know, how much time I'm spending on this thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a very normie job. I'm not in the, enter- well, I guess I am in the entertainment industry, but from like a math, uh, a math kind of research side. Okay. Um, I didn't study anything related to entertainment. Um, so I'm kind of have these two sides of kind of the more, you know, um, kind of traditional career path. Yeah. yeah. And then I love performing. I love getting on stage. I love improv. Um, and I'm very committed to it. Um, so I think both kind of help each other in a way. Um, the role that improv plays, I guess it's just, it's just fun. It just makes me feel more alive. I yeah, guess that's yeah. kind of the role that it, it plays. It's just something that like I leave it, I leave an improv, any improv event and I'm like energized. Yeah. I'm like yeah. ready to attack something like attack, like work that I have to do. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's not exactly an answer, but it's kind of, but the vicinity of an answer. Yeah, and it shows up like <laughs> improv is this persistence for persistent force, right. In your life. Yeah. And kind of like those two questions, like you said, like, who am I? What does it mean to be human? Which I think those are questions we've all had at times. And mm-hmm. I definitely, I, I, I really like that answer. So I think, I mean, for you in particular, like what you've shared, like improv has been a major factor for the past, you know, probably decade at this point in your life and hopefully continues to be, uh, which is, is really cool. Okay. And I think too, like, those are questions I like to ask as a character. Mm. Like when you put it on a character, it's like, who am I? Not not what is the accent or mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. is the physical body shape, but like who is this character? Yeah. Who are they? I love the idea, and we would say it all the time in my college troupe, and then Matt said it a couple months ago, and I was one of the, the first time he said it a couple months ago is when I was like, this is a place that I know yeah. I'm going to, like my how I think about improv aligns really well. It clicked. And it's this idea of like all the characters we ever play exist, they're real people. They're out there in the ether and we are privileged enough to step into them mm-hmm. for a brief moment yeah. when we're playing them in a scene. Um, and I, I love that idea because yeah. one, I think yeah. it makes us respect the characters we're playing yeah. as real people yeah. and, and really live their reality. There's no end to that yeah. actually. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I really like that answer because I think, you know, I can definitely think of times in my life where I'm like, a character is an accent. But, you know, it's so much more than that. Because, you know, any character, if you're doing an Irish accent or a French accent or a 1940s detective accent, right? The accent isn't what defines that character. It's just who they are, right? And anybody in real life, you know, who has an accent, they don't go, oh, well, I have this accent. You know, that's not how they think about themselves. It's a part of who they are, but there's so much more to a human, right? Mm -hmm. And I think your approach is definitely one that's, really important and adds more detail and more life to any character that you bring up on stage because it gives you more information and helps you inform those choices that a character would make, right? Who am I? Who is this character? Rather than, uh, this character has uh, this accent and that's all you have. You know, you're, you're, you're pushing it a little further, you know, instead of just a paper mask, you're trying to go for the full 3d, who is this person, which I, I love that. I love that. And I think, yeah, like you said, IFTP, I think that's something we try and do here as well. Yeah. Matt in particular. Oh, yeah. I know he teaches that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's so fun when you get a when you get a character that goes super super deep. Mm. I mean, like we used to do this exercise in my college troop where you would, um, uh, like you know the exercises where you walk around. It's like take on a character yeah. like this. Yeah. It would start like that, and then Cam would say, and then I when I took over the troop after he graduated, I did the same exercise, but mm. then you'd pause and you'd go to someone, you'd be like, what's your name? Mm. And you ask, you'd like interview the person yeah. deeply. Like, and as you're interviewing people deeply and deep, it's like, why do you want that? Why are you this? Why, why'd you say that? Why does your character answer in this way? And like, you build just like super rich, like round characters that are, are complicated. And, and, and our form that we did in college, which I, I'm very much like a narrative improv mm. Very much like a child of narrative improv. Yeah, yeah. Um, over some short form stuff, which is we can talk about that maybe. But because um, IFTP is a lot, at least my experience so far has been a lot more short form yeah, style yeah, things, yeah. and even the that in class. Yeah, and the long form is not a narrative long form style. Yeah. Um, but in narrative long form, we would always talk about how like plot doesn't matter. Like plot, plot doesn't matter. It's just a tool to show characters relationships yeah it's like that's what people care about like they yeah. care about how people relate to each other not what actually happens because everything yeah. in every movie is the same like every western is the same every action movie is the same every superhero movie is the same like the actual plot is the exact same yeah we yeah. don't care about plot we care about characters and and how they're affected and yeah. change that's what makes a great movie seeing a character start at point a and go through a huge journey to get to point b yeah and personal struggles and you know what they face yeah, but it's like, yeah, stop the bomb, you know, city doesn't explode. Yay. Like, yeah. that's like 80% of movies at this point. Yeah, it's right. it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, that's, yeah, that's a good point. And I think, like you said, with narrative improv, something longer form where you have that time to flesh out characters and get a little more of a peek into them, you can really explore that, right? Those relationships with the other characters that are on stage, you know, mm-hmm. what do they mean to each other? What is their point of view of that other person, right? Yeah. Yeah, which I think that's that's the juicy stuff, you know. I mm-hmm. I love that because that's you know that's where things can really shine and you can really explore and see those choices and that's what a character becomes way more than an accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. And that, gosh, that movie form sounds cool. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun. I would love to bring it back at IFTP yeah, or yeah. find a way to do it. Just to try it. Yeah. And get everyone involved. What's so one of the things that's so fun is like the way secrets work in that mm. form. Because, you know, one character might be on stage and say something and then leave. And then the second character says something to character three that now the audience knows, all the improvisers know, but the char- first character doesn't know. Right. So you're playing with information that everyone knows, but people also know who doesn't know what. Yeah, yeah it's that and dramatic irony. Yes, yeah. you get in that and it's it's a ton of fun. It's, it's, it's a really, really cool form. So improv... You told me a little bit about its role in your life. Has there anything, any lessons that you've learned from improv you think that have translated into your everyday life? Everything. Like yeah. It's, it, it yeah. is, improv is everything. Like yeah. it's, it's the greatest way to learn empathy because you physically practice being someone else and thinking about how someone else would think about a problem. Mm. And, and then I think pretty much everything flows from empathy. I mean, Every single improv rule, every like trite little improv phrase and slay, saying like can be immediately applied to real life. Yeah. Like, you know, the yes, the idea of like yes and mm-hmm. of just like, you know, there's, there's a, in the impro 
the Keith Johnson book, he has some great quotes in there. Um, and one of the ones is that uh, people who say yes are rewarded with adventure and people who say no are rewarded with safety. Mm. And I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. Because one, I think he, one, I think it's good because he opens the window for saying no. Yeah. And knowing that you, you'll be safer. And sometimes you need to make that decision yeah. in real life. Yeah. You cannot say yes to everything. Sometimes yeah. you have to be like, this has to be safety. It's like, yes, man, that movie? Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You like, see what happens if you say yes yeah. to everything. And the other side is like, okay, if you're looking for adventure, you know, this is how you get there. Mm-hmm. This is how mm-hmm. you get to an adventure. Yeah. You agree to something and you go along with it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big thing that I think about a lot. Um, I, the thing that helps me the most in work, which is just like my secret superpower in work, is mm. if this, then what else? Okay, write that down, write that down, write that down. <laughs> okay. Which like is, this is true, what else is true, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is the improv rule a lot of times used to like find game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's where I, I learned it at UCB. You know, they'd say yeah, that yeah. all the time. Yeah, and, a, I mean, yeah, that's like the core tenet of their philosophy. Yeah. Game, 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 game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but in work, I found that to be a great way to like get to really deep insights mm. and to kind of get to a second level thinking of, you know, uh, cause a, a lot of my job is giving insights to clients. Okay. Uh, that's very vague. Based I, off numbers. Yes. I'm based guessing. off numbers. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, okay, well, if this is true, if we found this, then what does that imply? What's mm. the next, mm-hmm. what's the deeper level implication of this? Yeah. And then if that's true, what's the deeper level implication of that? Yeah. Are you um, analyzing data? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. The data we'll go with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Which I think, yeah, is a great point. Just this idea of like, in an improv scene, I do this. I find this thing and I expand upon it. You know, I see, you know, if this is true, what else is true? And that applies to so many other areas, like in your particular career path, right? You're looking at these numbers, spreadsheets, graphs, pie charts, whatever, right? And you're seeing trends, you're noticing them and trying to expand upon them, right? What do they look like now and in the future? Which I think is a very like practical application of that skill. Mm-hmm. Really cool. I want to loop back really quick because I love what you said about empathy, Right. In improv, you're jumping into playing this other character and they could be very different from who you are. Right. Liam Clancy, improviser. But your character may be the total opposite of that. Right. And I think I would agree that's one of my favorite things about improv is that opportunity to cast yourself almost. And it's it's endless. You know, you can be whoever, whatever you want, any career, any person, you know, any age. The the opportunities are limitless there. And I think. It really makes me think of that quote, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. You know, that quote from Atticus Finch where he talks about, you know, walking a mile in another man's shoes. And really in an improv scene, I think that's often the goal you want to have with your character. You're like, I need to fully embody whoever this character is. And I think, I know I've seen that in your work. You do. You just jump into that. You slap on those shoes real quick. You're like, bam, bam, (laughs) I'm ready to go on that new character. And I think empathy is just in general something that we all need to learn and probably need a little bit more of too. Yeah. And I mean, I also want to, I, I, I don't ever fully live up to my own improv philosophy. Like the ideas that I think about improv, I yeah. can, I can, I never truly do a hundred percent. I still find myself making all the same mistakes I yeah. made just yeah. a little bit less. Yeah. I just try to like fail a little bit better mm-hmm. each time. Mm-hmm. And then over like 10 years, I'm like, Oh, I can do this. I don't fail as much as I used to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's improvs also taught me a ton about caring for other people. Just like take care of your scene partner. Yeah. Put your scene partner first. Make your partner look and feel good. 
that was like one of our core rules in my college troupe. Mm -hmm. That's one of those, you know, like there's some improv sayings that are just like, yeah, yeah. There's like that vernacular. Yes. The saying is like so ingrained, like, yeah, make your partner look and feel good. Um, that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, I think it's a really one of the more complicated improv rules. Mm, Yeah. Um, I think there's a balance of make your partner look and feel good, but you have to be prepared as well. Yeah. Yeah. You have to show up for yourself before you can show up for other people. Yeah. Make sure you're taking care of yourself is an important aspect of caring for others. Um, yeah. And then what was the other one? I had one more improv thing. Oh, listening. I mean, just listening. That's like the difference between listening and hearing is so most people never listen. That's like another good thing that's been great in my career is like listening to what the other person said. Yeah, retaining. Like, and, yeah. yeah. And when there's like five or six people and one person will say something and then the other person will reply with not the answer to like, with like, it's the classic improv thing is they were thinking about what they were going to say. And then their response was just what they were going to say, not actually the response to the question. And something I've gotten good at in, in work has been the thing like, actually, I think it was saying this. And like just solving communication. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a friend who was a senior when I was a freshman in college who had a rule that I kept with me forever that I think is like the greatest thing. And we called it the Gabe rule. Mm. And the way it would work is if he would ask a question, he would not answer the same question that he asked mm. because he didn't ever want to be asking about someone else just so that he could say his answer to that question. That's a good rule. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's obviously not like a, sorry, can't say, Gabriel thing, but more just the idea of, like, I'm coming from a place where, like, I actually care about hearing what you have to say. Yeah, it's a selfless question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not just setting myself up for the answer. Yeah. Like, for my own answer. Yeah. I... I really like that Gabe rule. That's, it's awesome. That's, yeah. I think we can take, pull that out of improv and just use that in like daily lives, you know? Oh yeah. That's where it, that's yeah. like, yeah. we, cause I mean, improv, we don't ask any questions at all. Yeah. We try oh, not true. to. Right, right, right. But like in real life, like when we would go to like group dinners and stuff, he'd ask people a question and be like, no, no, no like, or he'd be like, yeah, ask me something else. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't it's, ask me the same question back. Yeah. So like, you ask it with the objective of listening. You're yeah. Like, I've asked you a question. You're going to tell me the answer and then we're going to move on to something else. Yeah. And that's, ah, that's really cool. Cause it's, I think uh, we, yeah, we could all use a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's the best. He's like yeah. one of the best. It's, it's so cool when you, when you build troop chemistry and spend hours and hours with people and you mm-hmm. start to really learn their nuances and, uh, Gabe, yeah, he's definitely, he is one of the best listeners I've Mm. ever met. Like, there's people who, like, listen in such a profound and whole way that it's, like, almost shocking. Um, Another thing that Gabe does that I've stolen because it's great is when, like, the amount of times that people get cut off in, like, group conversations is extraordinary. And something Gabe always did is if someone would get cut off, he would always make sure to return to what they're saying. Even if it was like um, two, three minutes later, you'd be like, oh yeah, before we went down that path, you were talking about X, Y, Z. Like, what were you saying about that? Mm, which that's not easy to do. So that's like, yeah, yeah, that juggle of conversation almost. And he's like keeping track. He's like, you go, yeah. you go, you go. Just, yeah, that's a, that's a valuable skill set. And that's one of those things that's not directly improv, but comes from improv. Yeah. It comes from the skills of improv. Yeah, like listening. that's applicable to your life. Like 
What does it mean to actually listen? Yeah, and recall information too, bring it yeah. back. Like it's not just you hear it once and it's gone. You hear it and you can bring it back later to continue that conversation mm-hmm. or that path. Yeah. Um, names, names too. Yeah. Names yeah. is a huge one. Another a huge pet peeve of mine is people who are like in real life are like, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm bad with names. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not. You're not trying. Yeah. It's a difference. Like Yeah. It takes a little bit of effort. It takes effort. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, it's not going to be easy, but put in the minimal amount of effort of, you know, remembering a name. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to be a middle school teacher uh-huh. and that was when I started that job. <laughs> I was like, gosh, I can't use that excuse anymore. Cause now I got to learn, you know, tons and tons of names uh-huh. of all these kids coming into my classroom, you know? So that was something I've worked on and still need to find a way to apply that teacher skill into improv scenes. How did you, how did you work on it? Uh, play games. A lot of games mm. and just uh, games where it's actually an improv game that I like to do with students uh, when I was a teacher where you and we did it in our sketch class uh, for the first couple mm. of weeks where you tie right. that physical motion. You know, it's a it's an alliteration game. So I'd be like Marshmallow Michael. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember what yours was. It's probably. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, normally when I play that game, I go with Leaping Liam, oh. but I don't think I did this time. Yeah, I don't think you were Leaping Liam. No, because I think what I remember thinking, I always do Leaping Liam. Yeah, yeah. Because every UCB class always starts with that yep. game. Oh, yeah. That's probably where I got it. I yeah. don't even remember. Oh, sorry, UCB. <laughs> uh, let's see. I have like a, yeah. Bleep that out. Bleep out the. Yeah. Uh, uh, I made it up. Bleep out every every other improv school in LA. Yeah, yeah. Mentioned. Good point. Good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Either the praise or the slander, you know. No, no, not the slander, just the oh, praise. Right, yeah, 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 <laughs> keep the yeah, slander yeah, keep the in. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's one of those games. I think. I mean, at least in like a getting to know each other context, that really helps me get those names. So maybe just every improv scene I'm in from this point forward, I'll just make everyone do that game in the scene in universe, you know, and then uh, I'll just you'll be good to go. Another. A tip I heard once um, in when in college that is great mm. is just to give people the name of someone you knew from middle school. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you won't forget it, yeah, but they don't know it. Yeah. I, I like that, too. Yeah. It's a really fun, which actually I have not thought of that in a while. I'm going to. Yeah. No, I'm going mean, to steal my own tip. That's this a weekend. good one. Yeah. Like anyone you went to school with, because I mean, those are those are kids names you remember for not really any particular reason yeah. other than they've just, you know, they've been around a while. <laughs> yeah. And when you say a full name in oh, improv, it kills. So it yeah. always kills. Yeah. Cause yeah. they're like, how do you think up a whole name? It's like, you know, I kind of cheated. This yeah. is my yeah. third grade soccer coach. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to quiz you right now. Can you name three people you went to school with? Middle school. Uh, yeah. Let's do middle school. Yeah. Okay. We let's go, go first to, names. First names only. Uh, there's Matt. Okay. Max, Adrian, mm. There are only eight boys in my middle school class. Oh, wow. Okay. So. Yeah. You, you know them all then. You can count them all. Yeah. Two, I, I probably could. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Not with these <laughs> hands. Uh, yeah. If I only six. <laughs> so, 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 so sad. Stupid. So sad. Not enough fingers for your middle school classmates. <laughs> a tragedy. A tragedy. That was very rude of me to ask you to do that. Um, I have a question. Six fingers. So. Sure. What Do you have a favorite warm up game? Uh, How do you like to warm up? Oh man. Warm-ups yeah. are something that I find are very, people have very strong feelings about yeah. how to warm up, the best way to warm up, how yeah. much exercises. I mean, uh, I definitely, you know, in a weird way. And I know I'm so like, I'm going to get canceled for saying this, but I like zip zap zap just a little bit. You know, I've, 
I know it's got this reputation as like, oh, we're going to do zip zaps up. But I think in college we would do it a lot as a, as a warm up, And, you know, we'd play the competitive version where you get yeah. eliminated. And I was in, I had like an acting cohort I was in for all four years. So we were, you know, we got super into it over the years. Cause you know, it's like every week we're playing zip zaps up cause our acting teacher's like, all right, you guys warm up and then we'll do our monologues or, you know, whatever. So I've just played a lot of it and I enjoyed that, that communal, like competitive zip zaps up like, Oh, you won last time. Like, let's see if I get you this time. So unfortunately I really like zip zaps up. True scholar. Yeah. I love zip zaps up. Yeah. The, the key to ha- making it fun is no hesitation. Yeah. Zip zaps up, zip zaps yeah. up. Take it seriously. Get invested. Like I, yeah. I get in a runner stance. That's the yes. only way to play. Yes. You're like, you know, you're receiving and sending, receiving and sending. You got to be ready for that. Yeah. yeah. We, we played a version in my college troupe where it would, we, we've played zip zaps up once for half of rehearsal for an hour. Mm. And the reason why is because we would play this version, not all the time, but sometimes where you'd go zip, zap, zap, zip, zap. After a while, you'd add in a third a three-person name, a three-named person, oh. like James Earl Jones. Okay. So be, then the pattern was zip, zap, zap, James Earl Jones, and you had to get all six right. Oh, that's great. And then after you had the six, you added another three. Mm. But on the third one, it had to be some combination of the first six words. So the third one might have been, it might be zip, zap, zap, James Earl Jones, James Earl Zip. Zip, oh zap, zap, James. And then you, and then after you get three, you add a fourth and it just, it would. Yeah. You stack and stack and stack. Until, and yeah. yeah. And one time we got to 18, which is six iterations. Oh my goodness. It's a verbal Jenga. And you're just going. Bah, 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 bah. Oh yeah. That game and the counting, uh, head down counting. Yeah. yeah are the two like, yeah. this troop knows each other. Yep. 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 I, those are, Yeah. Both two warm ups, and also I'm realizing how good of an advertisement for USC this podcast has been, because I mean, again, like I'm gonna go back and get another bachelor's degree. <laughs> like, I'm I sold. I honestly think that the uh, the improv scene at USC is like one of the best in mm. the entire country. In in college, easily like one of the best. Maybe Northwestern has like a better yeah, scene. Being, yeah. Chicago, being Chicago proximity. Yeah. The USC improv scene is incredible. Um, I mean, Ava, Ava came out of the USC scene. Okay, yeah. She was on one of the other troops the same time. Okay. Like she was a couple of years older than me, but okay. I knew her through uh USC troop. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, they're incredible. They, they've produced like, um, Cal Mooney yeah, and Beck yeah, Bennett, all yeah. of them. They were on Comedis, which is, you know, one of the troops there. Yeah. There's all, you know, inner, you know, yeah. I, I saw Kyle Mooney on a train once and it was pretty exciting. Oh, nice. So, yeah. And then. He walked away. <laughs> but to know that I shared a train with the man, that's all I need. Uh, but yeah, I, I cannot speak highly enough of the USC improv mm. community and what it did. And it was just amazing. And um, I mean, all the troops were friends with each other. So yeah. then it was like, you know, 50-ish people across the troops that, that were like all friends and yeah. just hang out together. Yeah, it's and a community. All we do is talk about improv. Yeah, They're like improv lunatics. Oh, yeah, definitely. Cause like improv can be something like, like there are a lot of people at IFTP who like, they're like, yeah, I come, you know, once a week, it's like a super fun, you know, any hobby has that scale of, of how obsessed are you? you? And there's no correct answer. It's just, where are you on that scale? Um, And at USC, you know, of the people on the improv troops, half were like fully to the obsessed side. Yeah. yeah. They're like, I have an improv tattoo, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they all like, all the teams have a house like at, at oh, USC, okay. like 
all like most student orgs like rent a house together. Mm. Um, it's like all the teams have a house. They all live together. Like, oh my gosh, all think yeah. about improv all so day it's, long. Yeah, it's a twenty four seven. It's kind crazy. Of deal. <laughs> yeah, you're like trying to go to bed. And you're like, hey, hey, do this scene with me real quick. I hey, clap in, clap in. <laughs> I, my roommate and I, uh, I lived with for two years, sophomore yeah. and junior year. We were sharing a room, mm. and we would do improv scenes going to bed. Yeah, I I, I had a roommate. We yeah. did that. As well. <laughs> yeah, <it's- laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt so bad for our other roommate. <laughs> like it's like like camp, like you know when you're like camp or like middle school sleepovers. Yep, yep, like, yep. Hey, hey, Joe, yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> why, why are you scared, Joe? <laughs> yeah, you just go back yeah. and forth, and you're like, yeah. dude, we're 20 years old. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Like, we're adults. <laughs> Well, but yeah, I mean, you're sleeping on bunk beds, you know, or whatever yeah. anyway. So it really f- feeds the scene. Yeah. Yeah. We would, <laughs> we would pretend to be, um, like, you know, like Australian wildlife, kind of a Steve mm. Owen kind of thing. And we'd go attack my other roommate while he was sleeping and we'd record it too. You know, we'd get a little phone and be like, all right, we've got a sleeping Arab beast in here. And we'd wake him up. He'd get mad. I mean, he was our friend, but you know, yes. he'd, we'd harass him yes. for sure. Just poor guy, poor guy. <laughs> Yeah, so that's ah man, those are good times, you know, just yeah. like living in like improv house. Yeah. <laughs> Very fun, right? And then after college, like everything changes yeah. quickly and throwing COVID in yeah, just really threw off the balance of like, mm. you know, for me at least, of you know, who am I? What do I become now? Am I still an improviser? I haven't yeah. done it for two, you know, two years yeah. formally. Like yeah. where do I fall within that? Yeah, and, and what do you have to do to earn that label, mm. you know, um, which the answer to that might be nothing, you know, yeah. everyone yeah. is, everyone's an improviser. They just don't know it yet. Yeah. It was one of my, my college troupe. And I know I keep going back to this, but this that is really my, formative. uh, the heart of my improv experience so far. We, mm. each year we'd have a parents rehearsal on parents weekend oh. where our parents would come and we do a rehearsal with them. That's both cool and scary. And it was always the f- cringiest and yeah. funniest weekend yeah. and there was something like so freeing and that made me almost for the first time ever be like oh i really am an independent person mm. see like my parents and my friends parents who were all like super successful very put together adults like be terrified yeah yeah just terrified I'm like what are you scared of yeah. like you're so safe yeah. and it's like i imagine that's probably like in some way, you know, I know it's, it's interesting to see your parents in that type of position. Of, yeah. It humanizes them a yeah. little bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we all think, I mean, maybe not everyone, but you know, a lot of people think their parents are invincible and you know, I mean, I think there are times now where I feel like, am I, am I an adult yet? Yes. Yeah. I think that all the time. And I'm like, well, yeah. I look at my age. I'm like, well, I think so. Legally. Yes. <laughs> Anything else? No. Yeah, my dad had this great moment. I remember a scene he was in. It was like first time ever doing an improv where he's picking up records mm. and was naming them. And he named like two real Led Zeppelin records and then like couldn't think of a third one fast enough. Mm. And then instead of freezing, just made something up. Yeah, there you and go. then afterwards he was like shocked that he was able yeah. to do that. That was, what a cool moment to yeah. witness. Like your dad like discovering gray spacing kind yeah. of in that moment. Just be like... Uh, Led Zeppelin's uh, 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 aluminum dirigible and yeah. like passes it on. Like, He's like, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Just made it up. I was like, yep, that's... that's, that's yeah. Welcome to Improv Dad. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool, though. I I would I would really love to see my parents do some improv, so that's... I gotta force them into my own parents' weekend. <laughs> yeah, you gotta... 
that would be pretty cool. All right, Liam, I got a couple more questions for you before we get to our games. Kind of two, kind of two big questions. Mm. So my first one would be, what advice would you give to someone who is either starting out in improv or kind of, you know, thinking about dipping their toe in the improv uh, pool? Well, I think that, I think if you're thinking about dipping your toe in, I would say just show up. Yeah. Just show up. Like, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. Like, the first thing you need to do is be there. Like, be physically there. And that's the hardest thing. The hardest part about your first improv class is showing up. Yeah. It's like taking the leap of, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to try this scary thing. So if you show up to the first class, you've done the hardest thing. Mm. Um, To someone who's like newer, just say, I would say two things. Like, don't be funny and just keep going. It's kind of like the two, like that, that's the biggest thing. I'm like, just don't make jokes make sense. Yeah. That was another like line that we would always say that I've, and a note I've gotten a ton. Yeah. That has helped me a lot is don't make jokes make sense. Yeah. I think a lot of scenes, there are a lot of really creative new improvisers who are like, I'm going to throw in this thing. I'm going to throw in this thing. I'm going to throw in this thing. It's like all of those things are amazing. Every single thing you just threw in is great, but we want to see them pulled out Mm -hmm. and we want to see them. We want to go into it deeply. Yeah. We want to have one thing added and then make it make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Not the shotgun approach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess those are kind of the two, two biggest things. Um, I think go see improv. I think watching improv is extraordinarily helpful. Um, I used to go to UCB shows like two or three times a week Yeah, and they were still around. Harold Knight. Yeah. All that stuff. Just eat it up. Yeah. And they're like five bucks. It's an hour. It's a nice tight show. Like they were great. And you learned so much just watching. Mm -hmm. You learned so much just watching. Were you one of those guys who would bring the notebook to the show and write down things? Yeah. I see. I never did, but you know, I always had respect for people who were, you know, front row. They're like, write that down. Yeah, I was I was back right corner. Okay, I'd yeah, always yeah. go to the Sunset Theater. I like Franklin oh, better. Yeah, but it was a little bit further from USC, oh, okay. so I was always go Sunset. Okay, yeah. back right corner, and I I had two notebooks. One that was like a little tiny one because mm. I didn't want to be a freak. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, yeah, didn't want to yeah, be yeah. one of the notebook freaks. Yeah, but I was like, I don't want to forget this. Not the full legal pad. But yes, yeah. <laughs> so I'd take little tiny notes, and then I had a big note, and the next day I'd go through and write uh, longer things out. about yeah. the show. Um, that's cool. And you see like in their heyday, I wish they'd come back, but like yeah. you'd see big names there. Like, like Jason Manzukis, I think yeah. he's like my favorite. Yeah, ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz is there all the time. Yeah. Um, Donald Glover too. He did a show. Like my freshman year of college was like the last year he did it because uh, then yeah. he just got he like got too big. big. Yeah. Um, and he didn't even do it every week. He did yeah. like, it was called shitty jobs where they'd like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, have, yeah. Interview someone about like a I bad job. They I had. saw that show, but yeah, Donald Glover was no longer a part yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like with all the other Derek, like yeah, the Derek yeah, yeah. The sketch group. Yeah. their comedy people. Yeah. Like they were all the ones on it. And he, mm-hmm. I saw him once. Um, so like, yeah, go see it. And then I guess the only, the other piece of advice I'd have is just like live life and learn and be curious because like all the specifics just come, you don't like, you don't learn specifics in improv. Like yeah. one of the notes that everyone always gets is like more specific, more detail, be specific. It's like, well, I don't like, you only get that by living and yeah. experiencing things. Like yeah. we did a great, yeah. a couple weeks ago, Matt's question of the morning was um, like, what's your favorite commercial from your childhood? And it just like blew the top off the room. Yeah. 
because it really highlighted like the diversity of like ages Mm -hmm. and like content that people were watching and what stuck with them. And there are so many commercials of like, um, like just such like it was such rich stuff. And then like in clap ins at the end, like everyone's pulling from all these commercials, right? All these things. And it's like, you're not learning that in an improv class. Like you only experienced the like JG Wentworth commercial by like watching TV in 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think just like learning, going places, seeing things. Like write what you know, right? That's screenwriting rule, but it applies to improv because you're writing on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. I think also, um, you know, it, it, that helps, that also helps make boring tasks better for me. Mm. Like every time I'm doing a boring task, I just think about, like specific boring tasks, I think space work. Mm-hmm. Like when I fold laundry, I'm like, what am I actually doing here? Like, yeah. Let me be really aware. Yeah, take that with you. Yeah. Like typing. Yes, yeah. You see a lot of, like a lot of just this oh, for yes. typing. I've seen typing in improv. <laughs> no one ever yeah. touches the mouse. Yeah. It's one of my, it makes me laugh all the time. Yeah. No one in an improv scene has ever touched a mouse. Mm, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> in improv always... scenes, oh, they know all the keyboard shortcuts. Yes, they know. Yeah. It's everyone is like a fifth year analyst at Goldman Sachs. Oh my just gosh. Yeah. hundred words per minute. Yeah. That's incredible. No typos. <laughs> Wow. No one ever hits back. No, no one ever just absolutely not. There are no mistakes. The web. Yeah. <laughs> just mashing out a word document right then and there. Yeah. Every scene. Um <laughs> so that's a really good point. That detail. That talk about specificity. I mean, yeah. And that's that's just made living more fun for me. Mm-hmm. Because whenever mm-hmm. I'm doing anything, I'm like, you just become more aware. Yeah. What's actually like, going on here? I'm becoming a better improviser just yeah. by, you know, being observational in my everyday tasks. Yeah. Like that deep observation is yeah. really fun. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to circle back because I'm just curious, just plain curiosity. What is like your favorite childhood commercial? Oh, um, it's um, any of the ones that were the Capri Sun, respect the pouch. Oh, yeah. You know, and then they yeah. like step on the, and this was like, mind you, like 2003. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was very IED-esque yeah. in the way that they would step on a Capri Sun pouch and then mm-hmm. blow up. Yep. Yep. It, it was very much like a commercial of our times, yeah, which yeah. is like looking back on it, I'm like, this is very strange. Yeah, like that is, that's odd. That's that odd. Doing that. In this context. Huh? Yeah. But you know, we were none the wiser. <laughs> you know, we're just like, that's a cool drink. Yeah. I need some strawberry kiwi right now. Yeah. I also yeah. like the like F R E E that spells free credit report.com. Oh yeah, you know that they one? Were, they were killing it back like mid two thousands. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know where they're at now. Yeah. Now that I could actually get a credit report, yeah, uh, I haven't uh, haven't checked them out. Um, and something to do tonight when I get home. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. okay. Those are those are some excellent choices. Like, do you have say. one? Uh, I mean, the classic like Reese's Puffs commercial. You know, oh, Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs. Like that was peanut butter chocolate flavor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, there was like a minivan in there. Yes. Like, I don't, you know, it's a little hazy, but I can vaguely remember the melody and, you know, it's still like, I haven't eaten that cereal in years, but there's always a, a longing to mm-hmm. just in the back of my mind. Yeah. Cereal commercials definitely were more problematic yeah. in the yeah. past. Cookie crisp. Yeah. Like, ah. Oh, and uh, the cinnamon, the, here we go. He has cinnamon, like yeah. the Apple Jacks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 See, Apple Jacks, what are they doing <laughs> these days? You know, you don't hear from them. I mean, I also, I'm not watching Cartoon Network yeah. Nickelodeon <laughs> anymore, but. Still, you still, you got to wonder, you know, I hope they're okay. All right. 
I thank you for indulging with me because they were around a similar age. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I bet Liam's going to have some commercials that I remember as well. Yeah, like that era. Yeah, yeah. But it was so fun when Matt asked that question because there were different age pockets. Yeah, you're probably getting like 70s, 80s, 90s, yeah. 2000s. And- so then someone would mention a commercial I'd never heard of from like yeah. the 70s and then like the three or four like oldest people in the class would be like, oh my God, like I haven't yeah. thought about that in 30 yeah. years. And then like, and seeing like people have like pure joy like that over mm-hmm. something I have no understanding of. Yeah. It's just fun. Yeah. Like, it's just so fun. It's a joy in watching others nostalgia. Yeah. 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 yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Now I kind of want to like, just go around and ask people. I'm going to do that at work tomorrow. Yeah. It's a good, that's a, yeah. it's a good question. Yeah. Like, it's a good question to like. Just drop on someone. Yeah. Or, I'm going to do that in the elevator with a stranger. <laughs> so, hey, what's your favorite commercial from your childhood? <laughs> and then they'll say, please leave me alone. And I'll say, I don't remember that commercial. <laughs> you know. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm going to remember that, though. All right, Liam. I got one more question for you. So improv, high school, radio, college, teen, post-grad life into your early to mid-20s, I'm guessing. I'm 45. Uh, 45. Wow. You are... <laughs> You are, oh, I look, I'm a little you young youthful for 45. 45. What's your secret? Is that retinol? Blood. Oh, whose? Depends on the week. Mm, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's good to diversify your donors. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. All right. Um, where where would you like to go or what's your improv goal? Where would you like, imp- like, where do you want to end up next with improv? Or what does that journey look like, do you think? Your future in improv. Well, I, I can't stop. Hmm. I do not have the ability to stop. Yeah. It is the single thing that I like enjoy the most yeah, in my life. Hunger. Yeah. Like I love it so much. I never, it's so odd. Like I never feel more myself than when I'm on stage mm. doing improv, mm. not necessarily performing, but just like doing improv. Yeah. I just feel so much myself. Yeah. And even not when I, it's me on stage, even just like sitting in classes, watching other people, like watching improv, just anything involved in improv, I just feel like I'm myself. Being a participant, audience, performer, yes. you know, whatever. Like that's, yeah, you're in the space with improv. Yes. That's where you need to be. Um, so I know I'm going to keep going. I, I want to get better. There's a lot of things I want to do better. Um, yeah, I think characters are something I naturally have somewhat of a strength towards. Yeah. And I want to like Enterprise. push that. You yeah. Know? Like I want to find the thing I'm good at and just blow it out. Yeah. Um, you want a whole roster of characters. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get better at characters, finding them, developing them. I, I just, like we were talking about earlier, I think it's fun to wear characters mm, mm-hmm. and see who they are. Yeah. To stay in it for a little while. Yeah. Um, and so I want to do that. I really want to get back into narrative improv. Mm, mm-hmm. I guess the biggest, the biggest thing on my like short to medium term improv goals is to like, uh, start another troupe. Like, mm-hmm. like a, I really, I mean, I love the style of the IFTP shows. It's so fun to like people that you don't get to improvise with. Now you're doing a show with, yeah, cause like yeah. some people aren't in my class. Yeah. You're jumping um, in for that night. Yeah. You know, and it's so hour and a half. It's like such a joy to discover in the moment. Yeah. What type of improviser this is, what oh, we can work. Yeah, yeah. Like how that works. It's so fun. But there's also a lot of stuff that can only grow from long-term, long-term relationships with a troop of, you know, six to 10 people. Yeah. Um, and I really miss that. And I, I want that back. Yeah. Um, so I want to find a place where I can do that and, and build a troop that's serious and committed and mm. is going to show up. And, you know, th- 
like like the the amount that I did improv in college is no longer feasible. Yeah. Because yeah. basically like college tuition was subsidizing that time. Mm-hmm. Like that time mm-hmm. was very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, so now it's, but I want to do something where I'm like, we have one rehearsal a week, you know, yeah. one show a month. Yeah. You want to get troop. consistent with one group yeah. and just work and work and work and work and work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, those are kind of the near and medium term goals. The long term goals to just keep going. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to be like, a professional actor or entertainer. I mean, you heard it here first. Liam is the next Will Ferrell. All right. Continue. I'm just no. like, I just love this and yeah. enjoy yeah. it. And for the passion, not for like financial gain or, you know, like some people, you know, they come in with that objective. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another thing I love about improv is you, you can't make money on improv. Yeah. You, the, you really can't. You have to love it. Yeah. You really do. Like there is no, like my, like jobs, there are lots of people who, I almost said me, but I would never say that out loud. Uh-huh. But <laughs> I'm just joking. No, please, I'm just joking. I am. He's just joking. But on the record, um, you know, th- those are things where you're like, yeah, I might not love it, but I'm getting paid. So, like, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. That doesn't exist in pro. You, you yeah. just have to have the passion. You have to like it to keep going. Yeah. And anyone who does make money off improv makes money by leaving improv. Right. By like, be in a commercial yeah, or exactly. a feature film exactly. where they might happen to have to improv. And I'm not interested in that at all. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not interested in being a commercial actor. I'm not interested in being an actor in any way. Yeah. I just, I love improv. Mm. I like sketch too. Sketch is super fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of that comes from improv though. Yeah, of course. Um, they're, they're very like, you know, hand in hand, symbiotic. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I like getting on stage. So yeah, the long-term goal, I guess, is just to keep going, keep getting better, mm. get more consistent with um, performing. Yeah. I like performing. It's Performing isn't why I do improv, but it's a piece of it. Yeah. Um, it's a piece of the puzzle that I, I you know, want to continue to do. So I guess that's kind of the future. Yeah. Yeah. Making, because you're now at a point in life where you have to make the opportunities. And right. that's what changes, like leaving college, leaving right. high school, right? It's like those aren't given or held by an institution. You have to seek them out or create them yourself, which I think can be really hard for a lot of people coming out of college, like losing that structure that you had. Mm-hmm. But I think... I think you're going to be able to pull it off. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm very excited to like do improv at IFTP specifically. Yeah. yeah. Like I think the community here is a very, very unique. I think um, the, the structure that Matt devised of the recurring membership mm, as mm-hmm. opposed to a class-based structure, yeah. like a six week class yeah. is really unique. It is. It builds yeah. community in a way that no other improv place um, has ever been able to do. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's the thing about FTP. I'm like, this is really special. Like yeah. the style of improv is special. The community is really special. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's here wants to be here and yeah, is excited to show is up. Different. Yeah. Right there. Like I really like UCB. I learned a ton in the UCB classes. Yeah, me too. There are a lot of people there who are there because their agent said, you need to put this mm-hmm. on your resume. We want you to get in a Geico commercial. You're going to go take an improv class and, you know, yeah. book this gig. And there are people there who don't care about improv yeah. and don't want to get better. Yeah. And will steamroll every scene because yeah. they just like, and that's fine, they I guess. Be funny. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, uh, uh, am I funny yet? Yeah. Uh, that's why I took this class. Yeah. And, and IFTP has none of that. Like, I love how everyone is here. For improv. Yeah. And I also love how everyone is here for improv for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so, it's so unique. It's so yeah. great. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's unique. And I think 
the way you mentioned it, yeah, that month to month, I think of it almost like a gym, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like paying, I'm coming in to work out my improv muscle every month and I get to do it with people I actually get to know over the long term. You know, it's not like six weeks you're in a group chat and then you never see each other or talk right. to each other again. Right. You know, there are long term lasting relationships that you can build, which is phenomenal. And it, it does when you're in those classes with the same people month to month to month to month, like you can get some really strong connections going and you know how that other person works and what they bring to the table and how you complement each other, mm-hmm. which I love. And I also, I love the, um, the diversity at IFTP is yeah. mind boggling. Yeah. Cause the types of people at a lot of the other improv places are very similar, which makes sense. Like yeah. it makes sense why it attracts people that are similar. Yep. Yep. They're, and they tend to be people that are very similar to me, like mm. young twenties. Yeah. Did improv on their college team. Yeah. Now wants to do like more improv. Yeah. And I love hearing how their people just of from all walks of life yeah. showed up. Yeah, diversity in age and yeah, which I think is also rare. It's really rare, especially I mean, especially age. There's like every single person was my age in all my UCB classes, and then I have to be we have people who are like, yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah. I like yeah. I would never I would never call a community member old. I would never say that. More experienced More in experience, life. More experienced, yes. Mm, mm, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> well put, well put. <laughs> All right, Liam. Well, some exciting things in the future, but some exciting things in our immediate future. Are you ready uh, for some improv games, Liam? I'm ready. All right, all right. I, I can tell by the sound <laughs> in your voice. I'm going to pull up my phone here. All right, let's take a look. So those are, we asked some questions. All right, so this first game, Liam. Ah, this is one you've played before. This is going to be a two-person scene. These are all two-person scenes. There are two of us here. No surprise guests back there that I know of. So, uh, this game, Bad Gift. It's a classic. Uh, In just a moment, Liam, uh, you will be reaching under your chair. You're going to be discovering a bag under your chair. And in that bag is a variety of objects. You're going to pull it out randomly, and you're going to be gifting. Well, do you want to receive the gift? Or give the gift. I'll give you that. I can choice. give the gift. It's under All my right. chair, you can right? Give the yeah. chair. Give the gift. All right. So Liam is going to go under his chair, and he's going to find some random props. If you want to shake the bag a little bit, you can. Nothing's particularly fragile. It's a pretty cool bag. Pretty cool bag. All right. Liam is pulling something out of the bag. Oh my gosh! Wow! What a gift that is. What a gift. All right. And uh, I'm going to give us a relationship real quick. Just, you know, something to help inform our scene. And then we'll go ahead and jump in. All right. So this is Bad Gift. We are band members. Scene. Hey, Steve. uh, I got you this gift. Uh, What's up, Antonio? Hey, it's a hat for. uh... Oh, my gosh. Antonio, you got me a hat for my for my 30th birthday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you can I'll, take it. I'll take it. Yeah, this is um this is a hat that you got me, but <sighs> so I, I'm trying to be enthusiastic about this, but I, this you know, hat it's sucks. A, what do you mean? It's a hat. This hat sucks. It's a little party hat. That's your gift. Party hat Antonio. You know I hate celebrating my birthday. And you have literally done the most insulting thing to me by giving me this stupid hat right here. This cylindrical conical hat. Well, I didn't think it was stupid. Now you're saying my gifts are stupid. I'm just trying to be a good. Fan. I didn't do a blowout party. It's not like on stage last night. I said, "Oh, it's Steve's birthday tomorrow." All the all everyone show me show me a bare chests. I didn't do that this year. You're right. You're right. You didn't do that, and I appreciate it. But 
you've given me a burden. You've handed me a burden because now we're going to come to band practice tomorrow and you're going to be expecting me to wear this hat. Of course. And if I don't wear this hat, you're going to pester me with questions. Where's, Where's the hat? hat? You, Where's, the, the, hat? Hat? Where's, Where's the, the hat? Where's the hat? And that's, I can't handle that for the rest of my life, for the rest of our, our band's tenure, you know, before we make four platinum albums and break up. That's, you've burdened me to wear this silly, ridiculous conical hat. And frankly, Antonio, it's as if you've put a curse upon my family. Because now I have to remember my birthday. I have to wear this hat. Otherwise, I'll make you feel bad. There's just, I, I, I can't handle all this responsibility. Okay, fine. Don't wear the hat. No, don't wear the, oh no, fuck me, I guess. Don't wear the hat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Antonio. I know you probably spent like at least $10 on this hat, which I know was a lot for you. You're between jobs right now. Um, you got let go of the Froyo place. I, I don't, uh, of course. Now you're going to remind me of, of Frozy Yozies. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I just, I just wanted you to put you on my level because I'm suffering right now, so I want you to suffer a little bit too. So I'm sorry, you're right. I shouldn't have brought up your unexpected firing from Frozy Yozies. Do you think our two-man banjo band, Band Joe, should break up? Blackout! <laughs> All right, very nice, very nice, very nice. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, you know, set this down right here. I love that hat. Wow. They implied that they would play shows, uh, but I guess they're just doing covers? yeah. Yeah, right? I That's how it so. always goes. Like, we'll be a cover band at first. We'll write our own yeah, stuff. And then, you know, we'll develop in the background. And then, you know, yeah. eventually we'll slip in some of our songs. And, you know, someone will be like, eh, what song was that? Play, uh, play it again. You know, there will be yeah. some, you know, like Tom Hanks-esque character at the show, of course. Hey, kid. Say, I really like that single. You want to come in and make some 45s? That is another character that I love. Oh, yeah. Just the, the, the like, big, they're, like, the big, like, I found a new talent. Yeah, from yeah, like yeah. the sixties type, and they might That's be scummy. Character. They might not be. Yes, they're yeah. always yeah. kind of a bad guy. Yeah, you seen that movie? Uh, that thing you do. Mm-hmm. Oh man, there's a great, there's a great couple of those characters. Uh, he lives in like a trailer, and they're like, oh, he brings the band in, so and he great. makes them like chili on his trailer stove. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a great movie, classic Tom Hanks nineties movie. It's got a uh, Liv Tyler's in it. Uh, Steve Zahn. I know you're a big Steve Zahn fan. That's it's a close to um another character that's like in that like uh what's like connected is like a lawyer like the scummy lawyer. Mm, like I mm-hmm. love playing like a kind of Saul Goodman esque oh, yeah. like you burst in as like a third person. Whenever yeah. someone's about to get in trouble in a scene, it's a really fun it's like a fun game. Yeah, yeah, you bust. Hold it right there. My client. (laughs) My client. You always start talking for them. My client's not gonna say another word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shut up. (laughs) Put that jello down. Don't you don't want the donut. (laughs) Yeah. My client. Yeah, yeah, that's a oh man, yeah. Lawyer lawyers are out of control. All right. Moving into our second game. We're gonna play we're gonna play a few of these and then uh, yeah. Yeah. So this next one. Uh, this might be a game you've never played before. I'm not Ooh. sure. So we'll go over it. This one's called Old Job, New Job. So you, Liam, are coming in. Well, you might not be Liam. You might be someone else. You're coming in for a job interview today. I will be interviewing you for a position, which we don't know what it is yet. We'll find out. And uh, what I'll be doing is that I'll be asking you some job interview questions, and I'll be going over your resume. 
And on your resume, I will be naming off some random jobs that you have had in the past. And you're going to use what you know of those old jobs to help justify you being hired for this new job. Mm-hmm. So we're, we might have to juggle a couple jobs here in our head. But essentially, it's a job interview. You just don't entirely know what you've done yet in the past. But you're going to find out. All right. You are applying to be uh, to work at a bike store. And we're going to go with bicycles here just to clarify. A bicycle store. All right. So you want to work at a bicycle store. Let's just say you want to be like a clerk, like a cashier at the bicycle store. Um, and that's all you're going to get. You'll cool. come in. We'll take it from there. Cool. All right. Uh, thank you so much for coming to the interview. You know, we've been looking to hire someone for this cashier position here at Bob's Bikes. And, uh, you know, I looked over your, your resume. You seem like a really qualified guy. Yeah, I'm pretty qualified. I'm, I got a lot of, I've done a lot of stuff in the past and yeah. now I'm ready to, to be a clerk here. Yeah, that's, I mean, one thing I, I thought that made you such an interesting candidate is you had the variety of jobs you've had in the past. So I'd like to ask you a couple questions about them if that's okay. Oh yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. And, uh, it was, uh, Thomas Finkelstein, correct? Thomas Finkelstein, Thomas the Finkelstein. third. The third. Oh, my apologies. I, uh, you know, I, I brought in a lot of people for this job, so it's a lot of names to remember. You but brought in a lot of people for a bike clerk job? You know, in this economy, a lot of people are uh, big on bike selling these days. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's a, uh, I'm going to be honest, Thomas Finkelstein III. This is a pretty popular position, so uh, I'm hoping you got what it takes. Okay. We here at Bob's Bikes only hire the best of the best because it's Bob's Bikes. Yeah. It's Bob's Bikes. Yeah, we've got a 4.7 rating on Yelp, so we, we take our stuff pretty seriously. Wow. Yeah. And uh, just to clarify, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember from my voicemail that I left, but uh, my name is Carl. I'm the manager here at Bob's Bikes. Uh, Bob is my uncle. And, you know, he's uh, kind of put me in a managerial position here. You're the man. Does Bob still? I'm just curious about. Sorry, this is probably off topic. No, for no our it's all right. A lot interview. of people wonder that. You know, Bob is still kicking. Uh, you know, he's uh, riding bikes is a little hard for him these days. You know, due to uh, incontinence issues, but um, you know, Bob Bob's still around. Oh, that's cool. I l- I love stores that have a name. Yeah, yeah. You know, a history to them. I yeah, I appreciate that about you, Thomas Thomas oh. Finkelstein the third. Yeah, you don't have to say my full name every time. You can just, you can just call me Thomas. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll do that. Thomas Finkelstein the third. Okay. All right. So here we go. Uh, you know, I'm taking a look at your resume, and uh, the first job I had a question about. Is that uh, you worked at a, let's see, a tech startup here called FinTech. Can you tell me about your time at FinTech, Thomas? Oh, yeah. We were trying to help disabled dolphins by 3D printing fins. Wow. And we'd, uh, we'd attach them back on and they'd swim away. We got, we got some seed funding from Sequoia. Uh, they oh, gave that's... us like 150 mil on a 2.5 oh, wow. bill valuation. Oh, my goodness. Uh, things are going well, but then... Uh, yeah, then SoftBank came in and they blew up our valuation. It became mm. bad. We started. They gave us another hundred. They gave us two hundred mil at a sixty billion dollar valuation. We were pre revenue. Wow. wow, that's that's incredible. We went yeah. out of business. I think I saw some some tweets about fintech. I remember those rumors about us cutting off dolphin fins in order to make our market larger are not true. Okay. All right, I, I appreciate you clarifying because that was actually going to be my next question. So it's you know it puts me at ease a little bit that I'm not bringing in a dol- dolphin killer to work at Bob's Bikes. You know? No, I would never. We didn't. Well, we didn't. We didn't kill dolphins. Oh, okay. Well, 
You severely maimed them. That's okay. Well, that's that that I'm all right with. You know, here at Bob's Bikes, we do have a very anti-dolphin murder stance, but there's no official policy on dolphin maiming. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, thank you for clarifying there. And, you know, sorry to hear that uh, the startup uh, went under. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. You know, I've uh, thrown around a few coins in my day at some startups. So, uh, oh, you're a you're you're a certified investor. Yeah, I'm kind of a kind of a VC myself. You know, I uh, and you <laughs> you're here at this bike shop. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes those uh, those investments don't always go as hoped. Uh, but luckily, uh, you know, my dear old Uncle Bob was willing to give uh, good old Carl a managerial position here. Ooh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, anyway, continuing down the resume, Thomas. Uh, let's see. Oh, I see here that you worked at a morgue. And that was, okay, that was right after your time at FinTech. You worked at a morgue. Tell me about your time at uh, the morgue. Oh, yeah, it was, it was good. I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of bodies. Wow. I, I believe it. Yeah, what they'd make me do is I'd, uh, I was the one that would take all the pictures before they buried them. Mm. For some reason, there's a picture of every dead body on every, on the morgue computer. Oh, so what were some of your responsibilities there? You took pictures, bodies, and... And uh, I made lunch. Lunch, that's good. We, we had like... a small kitchenette, and I'd make lunch for all the morgue workers. Okay, what kind of lunches would you make there? Uh, burgers. Burgers, okay. We like burgers here at Bob's Bikes. You uh, you grill a good turkey burger? Oh, yeah, turkey, beef, okay, various tr- meats. Trying to watch my cholesterol, so I'm going for some of the oh. leaner meats lately. You know, uh, Carl likes a burger, but, uh, you know, my doctor says I need a... Watch out for my heart, so that's uh, good to know. You make me in Turkey Burg. Does your uncle also have a place called Bob's Burgers? <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't. What? I don't find animated television amusing. Oh, oh. So uh, sorry. I'd prefer if you wouldn't bring up such shenanigans oh, okay. in the workplace. No, you're right. Just something to note, Thomas Finkelstein the Third. It was inappropriate. Yes, I think animation is childish and uh, trivial. Just a little fun fact about me. <laughs> Thomas, are you kind of a conspiracy theory guy? I a little bit. Mm. Not 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 crazy into it. Mm. All right. Well, that won't worry me too much. I don't think anyone who's into conspiracy theories says they're into conspiracy theories, right? Because for them they're not conspiracy theories. You know, Thomas, that's a good point. I never thought of it like that, but that could also be a conspiracy theory about people who have conspiracy oh, theories. Oh, wait a minute. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So do I get? Do I have the job? Well, Thomas, you know, uh, you're an interesting guy, uh, Thomas Finkelstein III. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to hire you because yeah! you, know, you really sold me on those turkey burgers. So uh, I'm just going to, you know, we'll, uh, we'll run your background check, have you go get uh, don't, that. Don't do that. Oh, don't, 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 don't run the background check. I'm fine. Okay. I just, you know, most of our employees have had no problem with running the background check. It's a pretty standard. Well, you won't find mm-hmm. anything. It's a waste of thirty five ninety nine. Oh, that's true. I do like to save money where I can. And I know good old Uncle Bob appreciates that. So tell you what, Thomas Finkelstein third. we won't worry about that background check. Uh, I'll, I'll have you come in tomorrow for your uh, orientation. Yes. All right. Thank, you. thank you so much, Thomas. Yes! Welcome to the club blackout. Wow, what a Thomas Finkelstein. Sheesh. All right, that's a, what a guy. I um I I would hire him. He's got such a you know, yeah. I wouldn't hire him, no? but he does seem like someone who would work at a bike shop. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. 
is just such a, you know, you've, what a diverse career path you've yeah. had. All right. Well, I've got one more game for you, Liam. And this yeah. game, uh, this might be one you played as well. This game is called The Actor's Nightmare. And you're the actor, and we're about to give you a nightmare. So in this game, we are going to perform a two-person scene. Uh, I'll give us a location to kind of help get us started. But in this scene, uh, you will be pulling out a play, which is located underneath your chair right now. And you will be able to use any line that is on those two pages. I believe it's 84 and 85 uh, to help you in this scene. And uh, you're going to throw those lines out there and we'll have to do our best to justify them. Uh, so the play that we're using is uh, Ken Ludwig's, I think, Lend Me a Tenor. It's a classic farce comedy. Great show. Can't wait to see what lines uh, we're going to be pulling up here. All right. So any questions for me before we jump in? No, got uh, it. All right. So let's go ahead and find a location. Ooh. So our location for this scene is a spaceship. Again, this game is called Actor's Nightmare. Liam has two pages worth of lines he can pull from for this scene. Here we go. Captain, I finished checking the oxygen tanks. Everything's good to go, sir. Perhaps I'll take a bubble bath. <laughs> then you can join me. Sir. My, that's uh, very forward of you, but... Tell you what, after I finish my duties in the meal hall, I'll slip into that bathtub. Thank you, Captain. I won't be long. Oh. Oh, you know, I don't mind a man who's quick in the bathtub. You know, I'm, I would say I'm uh, not known for my stamina, so that works for me as well. Will you cut that phony accent? I'm not amused. Sorry, Captain. I, I just... Is there a woman here? Uh, no, Captain. No, Captain. You, you, you sent all the women to the west wing uh, of the spaceship. Uh, you sent them away so that they, uh, they could tend to their duties on that side. You know, the bathroom. The bathroom. Yes, of course. Yes, there was a bit of a uh, bit of nasty business splashed up on there. The bathroom. Are you crazy? The ba- what about the body, Captain? The body. Oh, my goodness, Captain. You were storing that body in there, that crew member, Jenkins, that you hated. I forgot you you murdered him in cold blood and asked me to stash Jenkins' body in the bathroom. We'll have to, we'll have to tell those women to stop. Oh, dear. Oh, this, you should have had me clean the bathroom, Captain. Look, I would be the first to admit that you deserve a little reward for all you've been through. Well, that's why we're going to be in the bubble bath later, Captain. That's but it's not problem. the time. Blackout! All right, very nice, very nice. This game is hard. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. I mean, that's, that's hard. This, this is a fun selection of pages. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I liked. Uh, those are some fun lines for a spaceship setting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, with that said, uh, thank you again so much to Liam for coming on Improv for the podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you today, just talking about all things improv, improv theory, really digging into that. And I mean, your experience in high school, college, and what you hope to do next. Uh, Do you have any last words of wisdom you want to leave us with, Liam, today? No, I think I used all my my quippy lines earlier. And they were well used indeed. (laughs) Indeed. Well, thank you again to Liam for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for tuning in to Improv for the podcast. We'll see you next time. Improv for the podcast was created by Matt Moore and Michael Lee Evans. Edited and produced by Michael Lee Evans. And finally, presented by Improv for the People. Interested in more IFTP? You can visit us at improvforthepeople.com or on our socials, such as Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube.
remember, new episodes are released weekly. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. 